you I still love to preach. I ain't lost that yet. So we're going to preach to you just a little bit. God bless you. Thank you. Love all these precious folks. I'm done related to one of them up here on the platform now. 2 Corinthians chapter number 11 and verse number 3 said, But I fear, lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we've not preached, or if you receive another spirit which you've not received, or another gospel which you've not accepted. Paul said, I'm a little concerned about that because you fool around with that snake and you liable to buy into false doctrine. And now just back for a moment. One phrase in the book of Ecclesiastes 10.8 says, He that diggeth a pit shall fall into it. And whoso breaketh an hedge, a serpent, going to bite him. What do you preach at a western theme? And, and by the way, I am from Texas. The brother, where's the brother that wore the cowboy hat? Dallas cowboy hat. I had a Dallas cowboy jersey I almost wore today just for that reason. Because I am from Texas. But uh, I'm down where real cowboys are. Cowboy hat etiquette is a serious issue in Texas. You've got to know what cowboy hat etiquette is. And it is right. Most people, policy is when they have church inside, they take their hats off when they come in the sanctuary. If they pray, they take their hats off. And if they're outside, we have a big thing up here called cowboy church. And uh, if you're outside, bless God, the only time you take your hat off is to acknowledge a lady or to pray. Well, ain't no ladies here, but I still, I, I just cannot for the love of God wear that hat when I, I'm in here ready to preach and pray. My pastor always threatened to kill me, Brother Marshall, if I didn't wear a suit and necktie, and y'all got me in here looking like howdy doody. You got me looking like an obese howdy doody. But anyway, God bless you. I'm going to preach tonight to the men of this district. And I pray, pray, pray that you did not expect us to come in here. And it's, there's nothing wrong with having themes. There's nothing wrong with having novelty situations. You build fellowship around that stuff. But what God's wanting to do here, I'm telling you, I came this time loaded for bear. What God wants to do here is not something that can be accomplished with novelty sermons. What God wants to do in this house in the next little bit is something that God can change our world and change our lives with. And tonight, if you please will bear with me, I've come to preach from a simple, simple subject. There are no little snakes. There are no little snakes. God bless you. Throw your hands up one more time and ask God to help us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. God bless you. You can be seated. I'm going to start off. I hope I've come tonight bearing the pure word of God that I can preach to you folks. But I'm going to say something. I may say things in this message that some of y'all might not agree with. That's your prerogative. You've got a right to be wrong anytime you want to. But there are some things for which I'm fairly certain that everybody in this room, or at least the vast, vast majority of the people in this room are going to agree on. 
And I don't think that I'm in any horrible minority when I tell this congregation I do not, absolutely do not, do not a little bit. You know how you can like some things a little bit but still dislike? I, I don't even like snakes a little bit. <clears throat> I don't like nothing to do with no snakes. I'm down in the part of the country that you'll have rattlesnakes that are five, six, seven feet long. Uh, we've got water, stump tail water moccasins. I've killed I don't know how many six foot stump tails. And uh, I, I just don't like snakes. I, I, I have no, no desire to like snakes. In fact, throughout my life and in interaction with people around my world, I rest comfortably assured that the vast majority of the world will readily admit with me that in my opinion, the only good snake. Hey, that's what I'm talking about right there. Some time ago, I got this neat little gun. If y'all don't believe in guns, I, I don't hate you. You're just an idiot. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I got this neat little... <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> I, uh, I got this neat little gun. It's a little Bond Arms gun, a little Derringer-looking thing. And, and it's either a forty-five or four ten, either one you want. But I was going out, and uh, we've been doing some coon hunting. Don't never go coon hunting in the middle of the piney woods with all the briars and thorns where I live at, coon hunting is of the devil. Now, we did some hog hunting. And anyway, I stopped by and I got some shot shells for the forty-five. I could have used shotgun shells, but it's a lot easier just to use the little forty-five shot shells. And you don't know what shot shells is. It's like these little bitty shotgun shells. It's made like a forty-five. You put it in there. And and uh, I walked into the business and I was getting ready to go hog hunting there. We had They had some hog dogs going to come meet us. We was going to go do some hunting for some wild boar. And if you don't believe in hunting, I don't hate you. <laughs> you just know the rest of it. Uh, but anyway, I, uh, <laughs> I went to the counter and I told a chick behind the counter, I said, listen, I, I'm looking for a specialty thing here. I need some 45 uh, ACP that are uh, was snake shot. And she looked at me and she said, sir, I will have you know. I love it when they get that whole thing happening with their little head there and everything. She said, I will have you know that we do not call it snake shot around here. I said, really? What y'all call it? She said, we call it rat shot around here. I said, well, what's the difference? She said, we have people in this vicinity that keep snakes for pets. She was so adamant about it that I leaned over and I decided maybe I need to get a little serious with her. I said, well, baby, you can call it anything you want to, but I want snake shot because I don't intend to have no pets like that. So I got me some snake shot and I just don't understand her. Her premise is that snake shot sounded cruel and inhumane, but my premise was just as quick and as powerful when I told her you can call it anything you want to, but I'm fixing to kill me some snakes if I come up on them. And in case you don't understand my premise tonight, in case you don't understand what Brother Watt's been saying for so far, I'll, I'll help you. I'll make it plain for you. If you like snakes, you're, you're, I don't hate you. <laughs> but you're an idiot. I, I, I don't like nothing about no snakes. Now, my son was just elected to be the pastor of our church. They elevated me to bishop because of my health problems here a few months ago, and they made him pastor. But, but still, I talk to my oldest son, Benjamin, every day, and uh, we got some property out on north end of town. Some of us come here not playing cowboy, but Benjamin is a cowboy. Benjamin got ten horses. He wears cowboy hats, cowboy boots all the time. I would kill my fool self if I ran around in cowboy boots all the time. But uh, Benjamin was talking to me on the phone. I could tell he was preoccupied, and he was moving all of his, 
his tack room around moving all of his saddles and stuff. And while I'm talking to him, I said, now, son, we need to be calling this one as soon as you get back in. We're going to check on this. We're going to go. And all of a sudden, I heard this god-awful scream on the other end of the line. Well, Benjamin, if you know anything about my son Benjamin, he's very quiet, very much a man. He don't get too worked up about nothing. But I heard this. I couldn't figure out what it was. And I thought, oh, my word. I said, son, did you fall? Are you all right? And it got real quiet. All of a sudden, I heard this most god-awful beating and banging and and I thought, somebody's killing my boy. So I started grabbing my stuff, and I was going to run out to the property, Brother Marshall, because I was convinced he's dying. And all of a sudden, I could hear him breathing heavy, and I thought, oh, my word, it's somebody's killing him. And I, I started running for the door, had my keys in my hand, and finally he picked up and said, you still there? I said, yeah, and he had picked up a saddle to move one of his saddles in the tack room, and a big old three-foot snake just crawled right out on top of his hand. And he said, when that snake crawled on him. Now, folks, I don't know that I could ever exactly make the sound like he made, but you let a three-foot snake crawl on my hand, I will invent sounds and think of words that sanctification had taken away from me. Did I mention to you that I don't like nothing about no snakes? I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't even like people that like snakes. I've had people say before, telling about how they killed a snake and opened up a window and threw it in on some man while he was laying in bed. I thought, yeah, you'd throw that in. I'd throw several ounces of lead right back out that window at you. I just, I, I just don't understand people that did. <laughs> we had a man one time in, in our church in, I was originally from southern Indiana here. We had a man said he kept, I remember I was just a young person. He said he kept telling uh, the fellow that was with him, kept saying, you know, I want you to come to church with me. He said, we got the power of God in our church. And, and he said, well, said I, you know, we, we got the power of God. He said, no, your power ain't nothing like our power. And he, it was offending this precious old brother. And he was from deep southern somewhere, country as cornbread. And uh, he said, no. So, and finally he come to pastor and he said, he's wanting me to come to church with him. He said, if I come to church with him, he'll come to church with me. So he said that I went to church with him, and he said, and I noticed it was real strange. Everybody kept looking at me, had this little half grin on their face, and, and bigger than Dallas. He said, I, they got to singing, and they got to shouting, and all of a sudden they come down the middle aisle with these little black boxes. And he said, oh. ladies and gentlemen, I get sick at my stomach talking about it. I, I'm a big man. I ain't scared of a running chainsaw. Don't know one man on the face of the earth that I'm really scared of, but I promise you I'd hurt myself over a snake. And I'll hurt you over a snake. And he said that he went in there and they all of a sudden they start jerking these snakes out and start rubbing them all over their face. And I, dear God, I'm preaching in Kentucky. Some of y'all have heard about this. And y'all looking at me like I don't know what I'm talking about. I hope you don't do that at your church. If, don't, if you do, don't never ask me to come preach. Don't even waste your breath. And he said, I watched and they'd pick that snake up and they'd dance and they'd talking in tongues and they'd rub that snake on their face and every time they rub that snake on their face they'd quote scripture one of them say you shall take up serpents and he'd rub that old snake and he said and I looked and it was in a straight line said they all gathered in a line between me and around me and he said the next man they handed it to him and he went to talking about you shall take up serpents and scorpions and and he said, I was nervous for two reasons. He said, I knew there's only one more man between me and them. And I couldn't think of no scriptures to do with no snakes. And he said, they went to do it and passed it to the man beside him. He said, I backed up and looked at that big old snake. And he said, there's all. He said, finally, they handed it to me. And he said, do you know I killed every bit of faith they had? I said, how's that? He said, all I could think about is I slapped that snake out of his hand. He wore cowboy boots all the time. He said, I stomped that snake in the ground screaming, you shall bruise my heel, but I shall bruise your head. Hey, 
I, I, I have people, anytime they hear I'm coming to Kentucky to preach, they say, you going, ain't going to them snake handling churches. I said, no, I don't hate them. They're just idiots. And at this point, I'm just going to tell everybody to your kisser in this joint tonight. I'm going to tell everybody here, when I read the Word of God, I cannot find any evidence contained in the pages of God's Word that I'm supposed to have some kind of an affinity for snakes. I can't find that anyway. In fact, when I read the Word of the Lord, I find 41 times the Bible speaks about snakes or serpents, as the Bible calls them. And, and I can't find one time that it tells me, instructs me, or leaves me an example of some reason why I need to love them God-awful creatures called snakes. Rather, when I read the word of the Lord, it seems to turn our attention to the fact that snakes or serpents, as the Bible calls them, are called in the Bible most always, they dealt with in the Bible most always synonymous with satanic spirits that are intent on damaging and destroying the lives of men. Would it be all right if I preach to you a little bit here right now? Notice that the Bible tells us that man was made from the dust of the earth. And the scripture said that when God made Adam and Eve from the dust of the earth, he put them into the Garden of Eden, which was a paradise of prolific proportions. And the Bible said it was a place of perfection that God had placed mankind. But the Bible clearly shows us that it wasn't long until we get our initial introduction to this old snake that he called Satan. But the Bible said, now the serpent was more subtle than all the beasts of the field which the Lord had made. And he made, uh, and he said to the woman, yea, hath God said, ye shall not surely eat of the tree of the garden. And at that point we see Eve carrying on a peaceful conversation with an unholy serpent that ultimately culminated, as you know, in eating a forbidden fruit and the fall of mankind, 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 made from the dust of the earth. And the Bible said that they fell from their state of perfection because of their interaction with a snake. There's something else I think we better take a closer look at tonight. God got so upset about it. He told Eve, he said, Eve, because of the mess you've created around here, we're going to set some things in order. And God began to pronounce curses. And he said, Eve, from now on, you're going to have pain in childbearing it's not going to be like and, and sir i'm going to tell you that from now on the ground is going to be cursed for your sake and you're going to earn your living by the sweat of your brow but then he turns to this serpent this devil and he said because thou hast done this thou art cursed above all for the dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life now we can say that just means that he's going to crawl on the ground but I've got news for you the Bible said the devil can become an angel of light he can become a lot of things I want to tell you what the curse was from now on as long as the devil's in existence he's going to try to find a way to devour the spirituality of mankind look at it now they're made from the dust of the earth and Satan you're always going to eat the dust of the earth and my brothers and my sisters surely everybody in this building tonight everybody that's sets under the sound of my voice has lived long enough to know from that day to this that Satan has looked for a way to devour your spirituality to destroy mankind's purity to devastate mankind's righteousness you and I and every righteous soul that's ever lived have to fight hell every day that we live because way back in the beginning he said Satan by your very nature you're going to perpetually be looking for a way to devour and destroy mankind that's why John 10.10 10 tells us the thief cometh not but to kill 
kill, to steal, and to destroy. But I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. My brothers, that's why there's a constant warfare that takes place around us every day. I feel a little preach coming on up in here. I didn't know you could preach like this in cowboy boots, but I feel it happening, so you might as well help me here. If you're going to be holy, hell's going to try to devour your holiness, and you're going to have to fight his temptation. It's called spiritual warfare. If you're going to be pure, hell's going to try to devour your purity. And you're going to have to fight his advances. That's called spiritual warfare. If you're going to be used of God, hell's going to try to devour your passion. And you're going to have to fight lethargy. If you're going to be anointed, hell's going to try to devour your boldness. And you've got to fight intimidation. If you're going to be what you're supposed to be in your prayer life, hell's going to try to devour your faith. And you're going to have to fight discouragement I've come today with an unction from the Holy One and he's pushing me to tell this congregation of holy men hell is not respectful it doesn't mind attacking the most sacred things in your world he'll attack your church he'll attack your preacher he'll attack your spirituality demons are not intimidated they'll walk right into your marriage and have you and your wife at each other's throats can I preach to you today that Satan is not remorseful he'll come after your children he'll damage your babies he'll put spirits of lust and spirits of the world and spirits of addiction in them he has no regard for your efforts he'll he'll stop your prayers if he can but I've come today to preach to this group of men and tell you that if we're ever going to stop hell from wreaking havoc in your world in your children in your family it's not enough to love God, you gotta fight hell. It's not enough to go through sanctified motions. You gotta fight hell. It's not enough to pray in his name. You gotta drive back darkness. If you're gonna be what God called you to be, you cannot be a pew warmer. You cannot be a pew ornament. You've got to be a man of God. You've got to be a child of God that says I know what it's like to stand toe to toe with the adversary. I know what it's like to stand and look the devil in the eye and tell him you're not bothering my family anymore. You're not taking my kids away anymore. Please be seated. Please, 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 if this message is going to be effective, you got to let me reach inside the spirit of this congregation today and take the Kentucky District Men's Conference beyond just a service for men or a casual Pentecostal expression. It was David that said, Deep calleth unto deep. And today in the spirit of God, I felt it before I ever got here, Brother Atkins. I feel something deep in the spirit that's going to reach for something deep in the heart of the men that sit before me. I'm going to preach to somebody and tell you the Holy Ghost is in this tabernacle and he's going to do a supernatural work in some of you. When that man preaches tonight, when God has his way here in a few minutes, tomorrow God's going to come and visit you. But I'm going to tell you what God's fixing to do. I've been with the Almighty. I've been praying today, asking God to give me direction. Let me give you direction. He's going to call some of you where you ain't never been. He's going to call some of you to a place you haven't been in a long, long time. He's going
going to cause some of you to a dimension of real apostolic authority that he desires for you to walk in. It's not enough to be in the church. You've got to be used of God. It's not enough to be in the pew. You've got to be used of God. Don't get me wrong. I didn't just dress up and come to preach a sermon for you folks. Don't misunderstand me. I don't want just another men's conference message right now. What God in their head. What God has destined for this place in the next few services, Brother Marshall, has been destined by God to change some lives, to change some men, Brother Horton. God's going to change some things in the atmosphere around us. There's a deeper dimension of spiritual warfare that some of you are going to march into that you even knew. You've never been there before, but God's going to empower you. I want to tell you what I believe today. I believe it's in this service that God wants to start taking some of you to a spiritual warfare so intense that it blows through every barrier that's trying to cover your kids' eyes to the goodness of God. It blasts through every roadblock that's trying to tell your wife that she can't pay the price. Is there a man in this house right now that's willing to help me preach? I want to tell you God wants to lead some of you into a place of spiritual warfare so power, powerful that it pours out of your spirit. It drives darkness away from your marriage. It drives devils away from your pastor. It drives demons away from your church. God wants to touch you today. Clap your hands to the Lord and love Him. I, I, I don't, I don't want to. I don't want. I'm, I'm trying to be super spiritual. But I want to tell you, since the Lord's touched my body, there's a focus that I find when I stand before a people that I haven't had in years. There's a passion that I feel that I haven't felt in years. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm in this place today because the hand of God has dealt with me forcefully. And God is going to do some things in the midst of the men of this congregation. I want you to hear me. Some of you that walked into this place came. It's been more than cars breaking down, loaded with all the musical instruments and transmissions going out. There are some people in here that have had demon forces try to stop you, try to get you not to come. The very touch of God has been tried. They've tried to choke out the very touch of God but what I'm preaching about is a place of spiritual warfare so strong that if we ever find that place in this building in the next few days demons are going to leave your family alone they're going to leave they're, they're going to quit tormenting your mind they're going to quit telling you that it's not worth the battle I'm preaching about a place of spiritual authority so strong that God rips hell's hands off of your spiritual throat he'll take his hands off your babies he'll take his hands off your marriage if you've got a need in this house, I want you to throw your hands up and pray right now. If you've got a need in your family, I need you to throw your hands up and pray right now. You let me walk in the Holy Ghost a little while here today. I'm sorry if you don't believe in the supernatural gifts, but I'm going to walk in the Holy Ghost a little bit. 
There's some of you that left wives fussing with you at home to come to this meeting. There's some of you that have got kids going crazy. And you said, Brother White, my kids are losing their mind. There's some of you that have had to crawl over temptations to even get in this building this week. But I've come to tell somebody, some of the most frustrated in this building are fighting some of the biggest devils. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The God that's in this place is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that worketh in you. You gotta get it in you. You gotta get it in you. Yes, I'm preaching to men in here. It is the will of God for you to get that job you've been praying for. But you got to get some of those things out of the way. Yes, it is the will of God, sir, for some of you to be used in the gifts of the Spirit like you never knew that you could be used. I'm preaching to preacher's kids in here that have got things in your spirit you've never gotten over from the time that you were a young person. But tonight, the hand of God has come to tell you it don't have to be that way anymore. It don't have to be that way. I'll tell you what I'm afraid. I'm afraid that God's calling a brand new generation of men not just here but all over the Pentecostal movement. Sit down just a minute. God's calling a brand new generation of apostolic men but we've got men that have been so beat down that they sit there and shrug their shoulders and say, what's the use? They sit there and say, huh, I tried before, Pastor, but I couldn't get things going. I want to tell you that there is a dimension of God just simply believe in my spirit. I think it's more than just happenstance that we're seeing what we're seeing with Iran and Iraq. I think it's more than happenstance that we're seeing what we're seeing with Japan. It's not just happenstance that we're seeing what we're seeing around the world. I want to tell you what God's doing. God's setting the stage. And there's coming another great dimension of revival. I want it to happen in Kentucky. I said I want it to happen in Kentucky. God's trying to take a generation of man back to a dimension of spiritual authority. Authority that you know who God is, Brother Thomas. I know his touch. I can drive back darkness and hindering spirits. I can move my hindrances and open up the heavens. I can shake hell's hands over my family. I want to tell you what else we better learn and we better learn very quickly. It's a dimension where God can change our world, but it's also a dimension that we simply cannot get to until we get serious about those little things that we've learned to live with along the way. You ready for me to preach this men's conference here today? Anybody hungry for a word from God today? So many times we think we got this God thing all figured out and that we can do all of this without the passion or the intensity that truly operating in the Holy Ghost sometimes requires of us. And we learn to allow little things into our world that can become dangerous to our souls. Brother Graham and I, just, just dear friends, and here a while back, Brother Graham introduced me to this God-forsaken place called Branson. And he said, I want you to come. We're going, we're going to come to Branson and spend a few days and... Brother Graham and his wife, my wife, myself, we went there and uh, we stayed in a condominium thing there and we began to walk around. Well, you know, women love to shop. Men, especially preachers, just love to talk preaching. 
And uh, I'm, I'm not much on shopping. You can tell. Somebody asked me, said, Brother White, you know, you, you, you get around, you, you get through all those stores with her. You, you run around all those stores. I said, Dear God in heaven, no. There's a difference in a Ferrari and a Cadillac. Ferraris are built for handling. They're built for speed. And Cadillacs are built for comfort. I am a Cadillac. That's why God makes benches in front of shopping places. You know, God does that. God. And uh, Brother Graham and I was walking. We saw a religious bookstore, $5 for books. And, ooh, son. Uh, now, now we're talking spiritual stuff right there. Anytime we can go in $5. And, and Brother Graham and I saw a book. And so this message is really not a secret to Brother Graham, I guess. We, we saw a book, and we began to read. And I read a story in that book. And, and uh, didn't read a whole lot of it, but I got home and I couldn't get away from what I read, so I began to study. There was a missionary named Gordon Dalby who by his own testimony had gotten so comfortable in his own carnality that he thought he had all this God stuff figured out. Some of his relatives are in our churches, I'm relatively sure. And uh, he thought he had all this God stuff figured out. In fact, he reached a place that he thought he didn't much believe in all this unholy spirits and all these things like that anymore. And the thing that shook him back to reality is he was a missionary and he was walking through a Nigerian village one day and he saw an old Nigerian carpenter working. And he stopped and he began to speak to him, chat with this Nigerian carpenter and the carpenter looked tired and Dalby looked at him and he... The missionary told the story that how he looked at this old Nigerian carpenter and he said, man, you look tired. He said, what's wrong with you? And he said, oh, brother missionary. He said, I I had unholy spirits trouble my home last night. And Dalby, by his own testimony, made the statement. He said, you don't believe in all those things like that, do you? Come on now. He smirked. You don't really believe in spirits like that. You ain't getting all super spiritual. You're not getting all extreme on us, are you? They said that Nigerian laid down that hammer, stood up and looked at that missionary, and he said, sir, you have forgotten there are no little snakes. Now, to you and I, that may not mean much until you realize that in Nigeria, they have various kinds of snakes. I did a little bit of research, and I found some things that I thought was quite interesting. They have the common cobra. It's 12 feet long. The common cobra can spit in your eye from twice its body length, they say. That means 24 feet away, a cobra can spit in your eye, and it can kill you on the spot before you could ever get anavenin in you if you're anywhere away from a hospital. Black and green mambas grow to about 100, I mean, grow to about 14 feet and they are 100% fatal if you do not have anti-venom on the place. They have what they call the gaboon viper. It's one of the most dangerous of all the African snakes because the gaboon viper, when you study it out, it's very slow. It's a slothful viper, they say. But if you step on this viper, it's very soft and you don't know you've stepped on it and that snake will turn very slowly and that snake will sink its fangs into you so gently that you don't even know that you've been bitten later. You think maybe I've been bitten by a mosquito something bit me something hurt me are you listening to me right now and they say the the bite is so soft that many times you die before you've ever been bitten but then there's what they call the saw scaled viper it's one of the smallest snakes in their country but the venom of that snake is so powerful that literally it can bite if it bites the elephant in the right place where he can get a good hold the venom of that snake can literally kill elephants if you're bitten by one of these snakes you ultimately begin to hemorrhage throughout all of your organs your body begins to bleed out all of the pores of your skin begin to bleed you begin to bleed through the various openings of your body it was a small snake but it was a deadly snake and what this old Nigerian
Nigerian villager understood that this man who was comfortable in his own carnality failed to remember is if you are serious about spiritual warfare it's those little snakes that are every bit as dangerous as those giant snakes that command our attention every day that you and I live Kentucky man, I've come to preach to somebody in this house uh, that if you're going to walk in the power and the anointing that God's got planned for you, if you're ever going to be serious about spiritual warfare, uh, you've got to realize uh, that there are no little snakes. Uh, and it's those little things that you allow into your world uh, that have a way of destroying uh, what you're supposed to become in God. Uh, those little things in your world uh, that have a way of destroying. Uh, I'm just going to preach to you a little bit okay it's those little snakes that'll stop your big miracles there are no little snakes those little snakes kill big dreams there are no little snakes those little snakes poison big anointings there are no little snakes those little snakes slaughter big prayers are you listening to me today Eve's biggest problem is that she did not see the danger in that solitary serpent that suddenly began to influence her life. Brother White, you don't understand. It's just a little thing. I don't think that's going to hold me back spiritually. It's just a little habit. It's just a little character flaw. It's just a little rebellion. It's just a little pornography on the internet. It's just a little disrespect for the man of God in your... Hear me? There are no little snakes. Deadly is still deadly. Murder is still murderous. Poison is still poisonous. Fatal it's still fatal. There are. Yeah, now Moshe, there are no little snakes. That's why the writer of that precious church could look at them. Brother Marshall and the writer of that church could tell them when I look at some of you and I realize the potential that you have. You have all the potential in the world. But the writer went on to say, Bishop Marshall, but I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. He was saying it's those little serpents that you allow to have influence on you that's going to rip the power of God out of your hands. And God went so far as to tell them, he said you see some things as little and incapable of hurting you, but they're going to strip God's power away from you. And God, the writer said, God let me know that if you learn to tolerate those little things, after a while, you can even be persuaded to accept a Christ that is no Christ, a doctrine that is no doctrine. He said, if you learn to toy with those little things, you better get ready because false doctrine's going to come behind it. Hear me? Hey, men of the Kentucky district, we need men. We need men that love this message. We need men that love this. We need men that love it enough to die for it. We need men that love it enough to live for it. My brothers, my brothers, there are no little snakes. I know, I know you're men. Bless God, I'm 21 years old. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I know. 
I pastor in Texas. The independent streak in Texas is so huge, my brother. One of the biggest things that I had to conquer when I first went to that church is that, Brother Atkins, you know what I'm talking about. It's that spirit that sets back and says, bless God. I'm my own man. I don't need anybody. Ain't nobody going to tell me nothing. I'm my own man. I'm a cowboy, bless God. I can, you hear me, you hear me. No flesh like to be restrained from what their flesh likes to do. But when it comes to spiritual matters, it's that very spirit that God was talking about when he said, Whoso breaketh down and hedge, a serpent shall bite him. There are certain hedges. My brothers, please listen to this big preacher from Texas today. God was trying to tell us that there are certain hedges, there are certain fences. If you break those things down in your spirit, they're going to open your heart up to spirits that you did not intend to deal with. If you break down certain hedges, it's going to open you up to things that your spirit is not prepared. It'll destroy your potential. It'll destroy your walk with God. It'll destroy your spiritual integrity. It'll destroy. I'm going to preach a little bit here. I just just to preach a little bit y'all didn't come here to play patty cake you didn't come here to compare pocket knives we didn't come here to look at our instruments I came to preach to somebody and say you better be careful when you start breaking down hedges of respect you better keep respecting the things of God you better learn to respect the man of God you better learn to respect the house of God you better learn to respect the word of God Because, Brother Dummett, if we ever learn how to break down hedges of respect, there are spirits that rise up on the inside of you. There are spirits that will rise up on the inside of you and say, I don't have to listen to a man of God. Who's he? He's a man just like I am. You better be careful when you break down hedges of respect. Then you start learning to disqualify certain scriptures saying, well, I just don't think that's what he means. Can I preach to you a little bit? You better be careful when you start breaking down hedges of sound doctrine. Doctrine. I want to tell you to the day you die, you better sell it in your heart. Hear ye, O Israel, the Lord, our God is one Lord. Hey, in case you forgot it, let me just preach a little while tonight. There's one Lord. There's one faith. There's one baptism. And all that you do in word or deed, you got to do it all in the name of Jesus. Sit down, sit down, sit down. I know how it happens. I know how it happens. Come to church. And we say, well, you know, the Bible also says this and so. I don't want that. I kind of kick that little old hedge down. The Bible said there's some hedges that once you kick them down, God, be careful, Bubba, because there's a serpent that's going to strike you. And some of the people that I've seen make the greatest shipwreck are people that learned how to stomp certain hedges in their world. I don't think he's got a right to say. I don't think he's got a right to. Hey, somebody better let me preach to you tonight. You better be careful when you start stomping down sound doctrine. There's only one baptism. There's only one way that this church is ever going to get on the other shore. How are you going to do it, brother? What the Bible said. You've got to repent and be baptized. I'm going to preach it every day to the day I die. And be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. I'm sorry. I got some of you with me right now. But let me tell you another hedge you better never break down. You better be careful when you start stomping down holiness. You better be careful when you start stomping down separation. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, brother, why do I? Oh, dear God. I get out of line. You pull my coattail. It's sitting in the room somewhere. I'm going to tell you, I don't care who you sing go charismatic. I don't care who you see throw standards out the window. You better listen to this preacher today. This message brought us from where we were to where we are. And it'll get us to glory. I'm not trying to see how much like the world I can be. I got to be like him. I got to be like him. I got to be like him. Well, I don't want that part about this. I don't want that part about that. I want to tell you, everybody that ever backslides, they generally start. I wish somebody would just dance a little bit right now to let me know I'm still on doctrine. It always starts. Well, I can trim a little bit of this. Or I can cut a little. Or I can do without this. Or I can bring that in my home. I'll tell you what you better do. Let the hedge grow. You don't want to deal with those serpents. Well, I noticed it got a little bit tighter in here when I start talking about that, Brother Marshall. Maybe it's them tight stranglers, uh, wranglers you got on. Uh, sit down a minute. Maybe that's what we're dealing with here today. But I'm going to tell you a secret. You look this big preacher in the eye. I ain't scared of man or beast, and I ain't scared of nobody out there when it comes to the Word of God. You take a good long look at everybody that walked away from this and said it don't take this or it don't take that because it never stops there it keeps on going and it keeps on going and pretty soon it won't take that and pretty soon I want to tell you you can justify anything your flesh wants to do ah but God give us a love for the truth give us a love for God's word give us a love for holiness and for all of you that decided you may not want to get with me right now. Can I tell you that separation is just as much doctrine as Jesus' name baptism is? Separation is just as much God's word. I know, I know, I know. I know, I know, I know. Shh, sit down, act like I'm not preaching to you. Bro, what I can, I don't have to live that. I don't have, I, I, I don't hate you. You're just an idiot. Brother Eads, we've got a little bit of a problem in Texas right now. I don't know if you've been keeping up with it. Out in West Texas, they've been a lot of hunters. They've, gun sales is going crazy, especially those little bond arms. They got one called the Snake Slayer. It's got the gun sales are going crazy out in West Texas. Bond Arms has become a very wealthy company in the last little bit because of this new phenomenon. They've been taking it to all the, all of the, uh, the people to study this kind of stuff. They, uh, they've got a problem because when you were out in West Texas and you used to walk down across that old rock, craggy-looking mess, you'd hear something going, you just stop because you know somewhere I'm getting ready to step onto a rattlesnake's territory. You just hear it. But I got an article. I wish I'd have brought it. You know, I don't, guess we don't have a projector. Wish I'd have brought it. I got an article 
Right now, biologists are having a real problem because in West Texas, they've got a serious issue. They've had more people bitten in the last year, year and a half than they ever have by rattlesnakes. You know why? Not because there's so many more rattlesnakes. Because there's so many hogs. There's so many javelinas. And hogs and javelinas eat snakes. And time, biologists say evidently, I'm fixing to preach to somebody. Biologists said all they can figure is these, these, these snakes have evolved in the last few years. And they realize that these hogs and these javelinas, javelina don't have good sight. It's that vibration that makes them cue in. And they see supper over there on the ground shaking its tail. Ah, but they're saying, the biologists are saying, I wish I'd had a, a way to put it up. The biologists are saying they're having a real problem right now. Because evidently these snakes have gotten smart. And they say, I'm not going to strike until something gets close enough for me to hit it. I'm not going to strike. I'm not going to let it know where I'm at. I'm not going to let it know what I'm doing. I'm not going to let it may be something that's going to destroy me. Can I tell you that God called every man in this building to be a one God Jesus named devil slayer. God didn't call you to be some panty wasted peon that sits in a pew. God called you to be a man of God that knows what it's like to cast out devils. Well, I'm going to tell you when you sit back and say, well, the devil ain't bothering me. I guess I got by with it. I want to tell you why you got by with it. He knows you're a devil slayer. So he's not going to say anything until you get so close to him that he can sink his fangs in you, that he can drive his fangs. I've come to preach to you. Your rattlesnake may not rattle, sweetheart, until it's too late. There are no little snakes. There are... So, got people, sit down there, please. People all in the apostolic church. <laughs> people all in the apostolic church. Throw this out the window. Throw that out the window. Don't, we don't need this anymore. We don't need that. Look at here. I can start wearing things my pastor preaches against. I don't hear nothing rattling. Hey, look at here. I can start bringing things in my house that my pastor advises me against. But I didn't hear nothing rattle, so it surely ain't going to bother me. It ain't going to affect me a bit. Really? I want to tell you what it might be. It might be that snake's just sitting there saying, Come on, honey. Just lay down a few more things and let that spirit get a hold of you. Just lay down. I got some powerful venom. If I can get you to love worldliness, if I can poison you with entertainment, if I can poison you with worldliness, if I... Hey, what's the matter? You're not dancing now. You're not shouting now. I want to tell you what the problem is. Some of you are starting to stop and listen and say it may not be in the rattle. It may be in the spirit that's getting a hold of me. It... I got to quit. I got to quit. Sit down. I, I, I have a great church. One of the things that God's blessed me with. Thank you. One of the things that God's blessed me with is God's blessed me with a church that has helped me develop some preachers. <laughs> right now, out of my church, we've got, I think, either 25 or 26 ministers there, full-time evangelists, pastors, assistants, something. And uh, every now and then, I'm called into a situation 
that's not comfortable to deal with because they look to me as bishop. And uh, some time ago, I was pulled into a situation and I tried to help them. And when I came in, there was a little bit of an uproar because they didn't like the fact that I said, whatever we do, we're going to do it right. Whatever we say, we're going to do it right. That's all. I'm not interested in that. I'm just going to do it right. And they begin to complain about authority and this, that, and the other. And maybe he's got too much authority, maybe. And I, I, I watched, backed up, watched as hell begin to make its way through that congregation. I watched hell begin to just, uh, just devour some of those things. But it was still people that I loved. And I began to ask God. I said, God, I don't understand. I don't understand, God. They had a good foundation. I don't, I don't know, God, what's going on. I don't, I don't understand. I, I knew that they had a little resentment about apostolic authority, Brother Atkins. I couldn't figure it all out. And all of a sudden, while I was praying, God spoke to me. And he said, what was the symbol of Moses' authority? Well, I thought for a minute, well, it was his rod. He stretched his rod out and the waters parted hither and thither. As long as Moses held the rod up, even if Aaron and Hur had to hold his hand up, they won the battle. When the arm went down, the rod went down. Do you know that the rod was involved in seven of the ten different plagues? And I said, well, God, the symbol of his authority was his rod. And God spoke to me and said, and what happened when that rod was cast to the ground? I said, well, it turned into a serpent. And then, then, then all the, the, the magicians threw their rods down and they all turned into serpents. And God spoke to me as pristine, clear as I'd ever heard it. And God said, anytime apostolic authority is cast to the ground, you're going to deal with devils. Anytime you cast apostolic authority to the ground, you're going to deal with spirits. You're going to deal with things that are going to destroy your preacher. It's going to destroy your church. It's going to destroy your doctrine. I've come today to preach to you. We need apostolic. I'm just, I'm sorry. Brother Atkins, if you have to fire me, fire me. But I need preachers in Kentucky that'll stand up and say I don't care what the man across town's doing this is still the word of God we need men of God I need sound, sound, sound. I need young preachers in this district that'll get on your feet right now and say if nobody ever preaches me I gotta preach truth if nobody ever calls me I've gotta preach truth your golf score don't matter what kind of car you drive don't matter the cost of your suit but his word shall never pass away and I might as well tell you the reason we don't have more apostolic authority in our churches is we don't have enough men that are willing to live that kind of life He didn't call you to be their buddy. He called you to be a man of God. He didn't call you to placate them and tell them what they want to hear. He called you to be a preacher that stood on the wall and said, I'm not letting the little foxes in this one. I'm not going to let them little spirits in it. I, I, I got to quit. I got to quit. You better be careful what hedges you break down. I'm calling on every preacher in this place. Brother Graham, I'm afraid I've made a mess for you tonight, buddy. I call on every preacher in this place. Be a pastor. When God called you, when God anointed you, God didn't say, I want you to make those people happy. He said, I want you to make them holy. When God put his anointing on your life, God didn't say, I want you to make those people excited. He said, I want you to make those people rapture ready. 
there's something in the spirit of God in this house and he's not just trying to preach to preachers God's trying to preach to some men here some of you men need to circle your pastor like never before and say devil if that's what you want we'll throw down but you're not going to torment my pastor some of you need to go to your pastor wrap your arm around his neck and say brother pastor you preach it straighter than you've ever preached it I want you to tell it like it needs to be told I gotta be saved I gotta be saved No little snakes. I would think it was an old wives' tale had it not happened to a woman in my church. It's so surreal that I would surely have thought it, 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 it was a story had it not happened to a woman in our church. Precious Vanessa and her husband raised cattle and they were driving to San Antonio to pick up some cattle from a veterinarian. While they're at the veterinarian's office, woman comes running in. <laughs> He's trying to sell them cattle. They're trying to talk the deal. The woman comes running in. She starts screaming, Doctor! Doctor, you got to take care. It's my baby! The doctor said, Excuse me. Stepped out the door. Vanessa said, I heard her screaming. It's, it's, like, it's like my baby. You got to help it. It's dying. Something's wrong with it. And he said, well, what is it? And she told him it was a snake, big snake. And she brought it in, and this snake had gotten fat and gotten huge. And they were only supposed to get so many feet long and so big around, and this thing was just massive. And Vanessa said, Brother White, I would never have believed it had I not been there. That woman began to scream, you got you to help my, my snake. Something's wrong. And he said, well, did it swallow anything? Did it swallow a rubber ball or something? And maybe it can't go to the restroom? What, what? She said, no, 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 it only eats. It hasn't even eaten in three weeks. And he said, well, ma'am, and, and they did x-rays. And, and she said, the, the precious lady in my church, she said it was kind of inconvenient because we're here trying to get our stuff and go. And, and they're panicking over this snake. And the man's trying to do x-rays on this nasty old snake. And, and said, finally, he stopped and said, wait a minute, ma'am. Let me ask you a question. You don't sleep with this snake, do you? Brothers, you hear me. You better be careful how comfortable you get with certain spirits. You better be careful how comfortable you get with certain attitudes. You get bitterness in your heart towards the ministry. You get, you get questions in your mind about this sure sound doctrine. You better get that out of your spirit. Don't you ever get comfortable with a snake. He said, you don't sleep with a snake, do you? She said, well, I told you, it's like my baby. It sleeps in the bed with me every night. When she told me that, I thought, I, I don't hate her. But she's an idiot. And that doctor looked her in the eye, my brother. And that doctor said, don't you know what's happening here? She said, No. So the reason this snake hasn't eaten in this long, the reason this snake is growing, it lays all night long and stretches itself. It's laying beside you. And that snake's saying, uh-huh, I'm laying here by my next meal. And that snake's trying to stretch itself big enough that he can kill you. That snake's trying to make itself big enough that I can get one big meal here. I want to preach to the men of the Kentucky district. You better watch your spirit. There's some spirit you better never get comfortable with. 
Stand to your feet and lift your hands up right now. I feel the hand of God beginning to settle on this house. Throw your hands in the air. Throw your hands in the air. Church, I want to tell you how serious this is. Listen to me now. I want to tell you how serious this is. Brother Eads, I don't know if you remember Brother Brian, the former pastor of the church I'm at. I took the church from a man that was old and tired. When I took the church, Brother Brian said, he'd been a missionary in Australia, he said, Laddie, I said, I want to talk to you. And we went out to breakfast that morning. He sat down and Brother Brian was retiring. I'd been voted in as the pastor. And that old man leaned over. You look so much like him, brother. It's kind of scary, in fact. Looked so much like him. He kind of leaned over. He had two things that I didn't like. When he wanted to talk to you, he'd want to get right up in your face. The second one is when he really got to thinking he'd eat with his mouth wide open. He said, Laddie. He leaned over and big old tears began to run down his face. He said, when I come to this church, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing for my precious church. We're doing great now. Just finished a brand new sanctuary seat, about 700 people. We, we're doing, doing good now. But he said, laddie, when I came here, they tried, they had a pastor fall in sin. Went for a year and a half and didn't have a preacher, brother. Marshall tried out 38 preachers. And whoever this side of the church wanted, that side didn't want. Whoever that side wanted, it was just stupidity. And he said, I went in, got behind the pulpit, and God dealt with me, and I started to preach a message, and I just stopped and said, you're all going to hell. He was there trying out for the church. <laughs> I said, you're all going to hell. Every one of you is going to hell. And you're taking this city with you because you can't make up your mind whether you want a church or a club. Church has a man of God. They voted him in overwhelmingly, voted him in that night. He, he stopped in the middle of his preach, Brother Atkins, looked at his wife. Her name was Madeline. He called her Madeliner. said, Madeliner, let's go sleep in that nice house. That'll be the first and last time we ever sleep there. Walked out, got knocked at the door the next morning, had a special meeting, voted him in. But he said, when I first took the church, he said, I had a dream. He said, I knew what needed to be done in this church, Brother White. I knew what needed to be done. He said, I looked. In this dream, though, I had this dream, and he said, and there was a huge snake right beside this big pond of water. He said, and I saw that snake, and I looked, and there was a sword right down there in my hand. And he said, I snatched that sword up. And I took off running, saying, don't worry, God, I'll kill it. Don't worry, God, I'll kill it. He said, and I could hear the voice of God screaming, stop, 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 stop. He said, I looked around. I said, but why, God? I can kill it. God said, stop and look in the water. He said, while this snake out on the shore was 10, 12 feet long, he said, I looked just off in the edge of the water. The head of the snake was as big around as a basketball. Its mouth was open. Its fangs were there. 
said, I saw its body that nearly filled up that pond. It was the biggest thing like that I'd ever seen in my life. Said God spoke to me and said, You can kill that little snake. But when you do, that big snake's going to kill you. You can kill it. But when you do, that big one's poised, ready to take you out. And he leaned over and said, Laddie, I've been here for 11 years. He said, there have been a few times I wanted to kill that big snake. But he said, by then I got tired of fighting. I'm a tired old man, son. His words, Brother Graham. He said, laddie, look me in the eye. He said, I worried about that big snake so long that I wasted 11 years of my ministry. And now I'm retiring. I've had a stroke. I can't see and can't walk. I've wasted 11 years that I could have been killing snakes for God. He said, please tell me you won't get too tired to fight the snakes. Gentlemen, some of you have snakes in your homes. Some of you have snakes in your entertainment. Some of you have snakes in your closets. Don't ever let it be said like that old man, Brother White. I've wasted 20 years of living for God because I didn't want to fight the snakes. I just got tired of fighting the snakes. I feel in the spirit right now the sword of God has been placed in the hands of these men in this congregation today. And I can't, I can't, I can't hear God telling us to stop. Some of you men need to take the sword of spiritual authority in your hand today. You need to crawl up somewhere in the front of this church. You need to crawl on your face in these people. I know it's time to go eat, but dear God, I'd rather be hungry every day of my life, Brother Wagner, than to have to fight snakes in my family. Snakes in my marriage. Hey, laddie. Some of you are tired of fighting snakes. I wish you'd just throw your hands up and make your way up to this front. Say, I'm going to take care of some things. You don't even have to kneel if you don't want to. I got some snakes I got to take care of. Don't just pray, my brothers. Pray with spiritual authority. Don't just shed a crocodile tear. Pick yourself up a sword. Take care of business while you're there. I realize everybody can't kneel. Throw your hands up wherever you are. Throw your hands up wherever you are. It's God's time and we got to kill some of these snakes. We got to kill some of these preacher killing spirits. We got to kill some of these board ran spirits. We got to kill some of these worldly spirits. We got to kill some of these entertainment spirits. pray my brothers there are no little snakes there are no little snakes come on 
forgive me Kentucky for preaching an hour forgive me Kentucky for taking my time but there are no little snakes <laughs>